Aiken Promotions presents Margot Price. Live at Vicar Street, January 28th. I never loved you and I always will. I had a change of heart. Tickets available now. I had a change of heart. Music updates on RTE Radio 1. Basket weaving. Falconry. Villain piping. When it comes to heritage, we put our money where your passion is. If your organisation supports Ireland's heritage, you may be eligible for a Heritage Organisation Support Fund grant. Applications now open at heritagecouncil.ie forward slash funding. Supported by the Department of Housing, Local Government and Heritage. Rockstar, the brand new album from global superstar Dolly Parton. Featuring incredible hits like Bygones and Wrecking Ball with Miley Cyrus. Rockstar by Dolly Parton. Own it on vinyl and CD now. Get Christmas sorted at Golden Discs, in-store and online. Ah, oh, work was a nightmare. How about you, love? <sighs> Dropped my phone in the loo. Mm, disaster. Life's discomforts are no match for the advanced comforts of the Citroen C4 and the new C4X. Hydraulic cushion suspension filters out road imperfections, while our advanced comfort seats create an experience that isn't just comfort, it's advanced comfort. The Citroen C4 and new C4X. Book a test drive today. Coming up on Mooney Goes Wild. Wild boar making a nuisance of themselves in France and an influx of short-eared owls to Ireland. First, though, at 10 o'clock, we join Shane McGowan for the news. The US President Joe Biden has said he believed a deal is nearing agreement to secure the release of some of the hostages being held by Hamas in Gaza in exchange for pauses in Israel's offensive. About 240 hostages were taken during the Hamas assaults in Israel over a month ago. The Taoiseach Leo Varadkar spoke today with the Prime Minister of Qatar regarding the Irish-Israeli girl Emily Hand, who's thought to be among those being held. From Tel Aviv, our correspondent Paul Cunningham. The Taoiseach has raised Emily Han's case today with the Prime Minister of Qatar, Sheikh Mohammed bin Abdul Rahman Al Thani, who's a key interlocutor in trying to put in place a hostage deal. The Prime Minister told Mr. Vradkar that he was aware of Emily's case and added that releasing children is a priority. That could be good news for Emily Han's family. Her father, Tom Hand, who's originally from Dunleary, told the media in London today that his family is living through a nightmare. He said he constantly thinks that Emily must be wondering why her father hasn't come to save her. Sources in Israel, the United States and in Gatter have all expressed optimism that a deal can be done, in which it's believed 50 hostages will be released by Hamas in return for an Israeli ceasefire lasting between three and five days. But there's no deal yet, possibly because all sides have yet to agree on what happens first, the ceasefire coming into force or the hostages being released. Paul Cunningham, RT News, Tel Aviv. At the Dublin Circuit Criminal Court, a 34-year-old man has been sentenced to 18 months in jail after he pleaded guilty to careless driving causing the death of a 7-year-old boy while reversing a road-sweeping vehicle. The court heard that Carl Scully had a previous conviction for careless driving causing death nine months earlier. Our court's reporter, Vivian Trainer. 
Devon Shepherd was struck by a council road sweeping vehicle as it reversed on the road where he was playing in Ballymun in September 2019. The driver, Carl Scully, had a previous conviction for careless driving causing the death of a pedestrian when he drove his car in a bus lane just nine months earlier. Dublin Circuit Criminal Court heard Mr Scully had made what appeared to be a sudden decision to reverse the road sweeper that day and had not checked the onboard camera to see if anyone was behind. In a victim impact statement, the young boy's family said there were no words to describe their grief and loss. Judge Pauline Codd explained to the family that the maximum sentence for the offence was two years. Taking into account Mr Scully's guilty plea and his remorse, she imposed a sentence of 18 months in jail. Vivian Trainer, RTE News, Dublin Circuit Criminal Court. RTE Radio 1 Weather with Grant. Reduce your carbon footprint and your home heating costs with the award-winning Grant Vortex Boiler. Think heating, think Grant. Visit grant.ie. Cold tonight with showers dying out and long clear spells. Lowest temperatures between 0 and 4 degrees with patches of frost. Tomorrow will begin cold and dry with spells of hazy sunshine developing through the day. Cloud increasing from the west later and highest temperatures of 8 to 11 degrees. And that's all from the newsroom for the moment. Email mooney at rte.ie Your voice matters and your vote is important. Local authorities are updating the electoral register and it's your responsibility to ensure that your details are current and correct. Even if you're already registered to vote, now is the time to check and either confirm or update your details by providing your PPSN, air code and date of birth. To have your say on shaping Ireland's future, you must be on the electoral register. Checking is easy. Simply go to checktheregister.ie. The easy way to secure your say. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. Some years ago, I was the victim of a serious crime. The person serving a life sentence for that crime now has an opportunity to apply for parole. But I also have an opportunity to have my voice heard by the parole board. Victims of a serious crime. Your voice counts in the parole process. Find out more and register at gov.ie forward slash parole board or call 01 474 8770. Take a look at our website, rte.ie slash Mooney. Hello and welcome to the programme. You can visit the website anytime you like, rte.ie forward slash Mooney. a very busy programme ahead of us tonight. Joining me in studio, Aina Neelana and Terry Flanagan, who'd normally be out and about doing reports, but today he's in studio in place of Richard Collins. But we must begin by saying, and I'll only say this once, hello, hello to Niall Hatch, who's in the south of France. Niall, hello, how are you? I'm very good, thanks, Derek, very good. Where exactly are you? So uh, close to Cannes, actually, just right the next town along, a lovely place called Mont-de-Lou-la-Napoule, which is uh, down here on the French Riviera, just in the foothills of the Alps. Uh, my late father spent a great deal of time down here. It was one of his favourite places in the world. So I'm um, just down here for a few days, just sort of taking care of a few administrative things. Um, worst places in the world to be doing that, I will admit. Uh, and yeah, great to be talking to you today. It's nice, nice and sunny and crisp here. Well, you've got some news for us about wild boar. Now, these were once very rare, as I understand it, in the French countryside, but now they're becoming a bit of a nuisance. What's going on? 
Well, yes, it's 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 becoming a big issue down here, and it's something that's becoming quite visible on on recent visits down here. I've actually stumbled into the boar a few times myself, and people are getting quite nervous about them. So, wild boar, they're obviously a native French animal. They're widely hunted in the country, and it's a mammal you would associate very much with uh, with with woodland areas, uh, maybe forest clearings, edges of farmland, places like that. There's nothing unusual about that. But in recent years, especially down here in the south of the country, they've been moving more and more into suburbia. And I had my first encounter with them uh, down here a couple of years ago myself and my mother were actually at the car park of the local supermarket right outside uh, a well-known fast food chain with the golden arches no 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 app free advertising for them but just there just got parked the car and then saw a wild boar just literally walking across the car park around the shopping trolleys saw people sort of you know looking at it nervously what's going on and since then we've seen warning signs up there's um there's uh, people are getting dogs they're putting up all sorts of traps and snares to try and control these boar because they can be quite dangerous. Uh, you know, they tend to be quite shy around people and they will run away. But the fact is that they've started to realise they can get food in the bins, they can get food around car parks, and there's also no natural predators here to try and, and lessen their numbers or reduce their numbers. I know on the on the TV programme that uh, you did, Derek, back from the brink, there was a whole lot of discussion about what was going on in, in the city of Rome, in Italy, with, with the wild boar. And what's been happening there is that wolves have been moving into the outskirts of the city and are helping to control their numbers. And although there's concern over the wolves there as well, they're, they're people do some people there do welcome them because they actually are a natural control on the boar. They're reducing their numbers and they're very reluctant to go near humans. Now, in this exact part of France where I am, there aren't any wolves around suburbia in this area, but they have been moving back into the Alps. So not too far away. If I'm looking up the, the, the foothills of the Alps, I can see the mountains up ahead of me. I see a place called Mercantur National Park. And there are some wolf packs back in there that have spread back in across the Alps from Italy. And that's also been very controversial, um, much more so than it seems to have been in Italy because you see quite a lot of graffiti up in the mountains and in farming areas, people saying, uh, translating it says, death to the wolves, get rid of the wolves. People are very, very scared of their impact on livestock. I think people are looking back at the old fairy stories and and, and those um, the sort of fables and, and the threats of wolves to people. So um, it's kind of it's kind of interesting and a bit concerning. We're not seeing so much acceptance of nature down here and also going a bit out of balance. Uh, interesting as well, too, sometimes I see foxes around here. I didn't used to see that before. Uh, we think of urban foxes in Ireland, in, in our cities and towns, it's quite common to see foxes. You often see them dead, unfortunately, on the roads in Ireland too. Down here, it, although they're widespread in France, they're much um, warier. But in the last couple of years, I have seen them moving into the same area as the boar. And what's interesting to me is people down here seem to be quite frightened of foxes. That's something that I've seen elsewhere in Europe too, in Germany and, and Belgium and places like that. People are quite scared about this kind of urban wildlife. Whereas in Ireland, we're not concerned about foxes really at all around urban areas. We know that they're not a particular problem. That said, uh, in Ireland, we don't have rabies. Whereas on the continent, uh, the foxes were one of the main vectors for rabies, although it's not present in this area at the moment. I think that that memory, that that distrust of foxes does does cling on. Um, but I tell you, I'd much rather come across a fox in the woodland or in a car park than I would a wild boar. They are something quite uh, quite frightening when you see them up close. And particularly, I believe that the real risk is if you find if you find uh, a sow, the mother with her little piglets, then that can be particularly bad because they, they really are very, very protective. So yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a problem, all right. It seems to me that we can't win either way. We're responsible for the increase in numbers because we're leaving out scraps of food so there's plenty for them to feed on and then to breed more. And yet, if they were on the decline, we'd be doing lots to bring them back. (laughs) Well, yes, and I think it's all about balance and everything in its right place. The thing that's really missing from that equation is the natural predator. There's nothing in this area that can tackle a full-grown adult boar other than humans. And and they are widely hunted here. It's a a traditionally hunted species here. It's a species that's 
well that I've often um, you know had, a, had an affinity with. Uh, in French, they call them sangliers. That's the name for a wild boar. And I know that because uh, when I was a kid, uh, I was a big fan of the Asterix books. I say when I was a kid, I almost I still am a big fan of the Asterix books. And wild boar feature very prominently in there because that's the main food that they all feast on. And Obelix is obsessed with hunting wild boars. So that's how I kind of came to associate that with France. Uh, so it's kind of cool from that point of view for me to see them here in France. But yeah, not actually just walking along the driveways or getting close to people. And it, it is interesting to see that kind of animosity towards nature. You do see that too. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, when I go out bird watching down here in France, although there are quite a lot of bird watchers here in France, it's not something you see as much as you would in Ireland or in many other European countries. And people can look at you a bit funny when you're walking around with your binoculars or your camera. I, I can kind of understand that too. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, so uh, yeah, it's a real, really changing down here. The other big change that I've seen down here a lot, and I'm, as I'm talking to you, they're flying around outside the window. So many parrots, those rose-ringed parakeets or ring-necked parakeets, they've really, really taken hold down here in the south of France. You see them absolutely everywhere. Escaped cage birds, they're a non-native species, but the climate down here is perfect for them. And uh, there aren't too many predators can tackle them either because they're, they're, they're noisy, they're gregarious, they're in flocks looking out for each other and they fly very, very quick. So their raucous squawks have become a real feature of this, this part of France, whereas a few years ago that wasn't the case. Yeah, Niall, I'm just thinking about the, the wild boar that you were talking about just before the parakeets there. The Irish name for a wild boar or a wild pig is Tork. And some of our place names reflect this. So we have Tork Mountain in Killarney, we have the Mam Turks and even Inish Turk. The thing is, were they wild boar? Were they just pigs that escaped? And I think the consensus is that some of them were, in fact, wild boar, that wild boar were actually brought to Ireland perhaps 8,000 years ago with the first people and became wild and established in the wild. And it was only in the, in the medieval times, in the 1300s, that they, they, they died out. So, I mean, could we consider that a wild boar in Ireland is a return of the native or are the things that we're talking about are just escaped pigs that farmers in those days had and some of them escaped. What, what do you think about the native status of the wild boar in Ireland? It's certainly a very interesting question and the domestic pig is a direct descendant of the wild boar and what can happen when animals return to the wild and go feral, they can revert to their original form. Those wild boar genes are still in there. That bristly coat, those long tusks, they're still genetically coded in those. So it can be that perhaps perhaps it was some form of sort of hybrid or, or integrate between the two. I could see them well being native to Ireland. They're, they're a widespread uh, species all across Europe and Asia. It's, it's a very common animal right the way across uh, through China, Japan, places like that you find them as well and all over Europe obviously where there's been human pressure and lots of overhunting that they have uh, they have declined massively and that wipes them out from Ireland it would seem but it does seem to be a natural part of our ecosystem the Irish ecosystem could certainly cope with this and it has been interesting and concerning and also curious to see that in recent years there have been it seems reliable reports of wild boar in the wild in Ireland I know that camera traps where people put out these motion detector cameras these trail cameras in the Wicklow Mountains National Park have found wild boar walking past so it seems that somebody it seemingly illegally may well have been releasing these in in, in Ireland uh, again, uh, maybe for hunting purposes. Who knows? Uh, but obviously, it's something that needs to be very carefully looked at because when wild boar were present in Ireland, we also had an abundance of wolves as well, which do control their numbers. And things like foxes as well may go for the the, the small piglets if they're lucky. But but the fact is, those mothers are really really aggressive and really protective. So it's really only something like a pack of wolves who could really tackle a wild boar. We don't have those in Ireland at the moment. So without that natural predation or the predator 
prey relationship, it could be a big problem. And it has been very interesting to see, as I was saying in Rome, how the the wolves and the boar are sort of interacting again and how the, it's the increase in the boar are bringing that, that ancient predator, the wolf, which was on the verge of extinction, moving back into the city of Rome, really in the suburbs. It, you know, if you like, um, almost like um, having wolves near the Phoenix Park in Dublin. That's what it's like. That's how close they are to the city centre now in Rome. And it's seemingly with, with minimal impact on humans. They avoid people like the plague. So while the boar have become accustomed to people and come quite close when they're going through the, the rubbish, the wolves do give people a very wide berth. Uh, so in an Irish context, if we don't have the wolves having the boar back, it would be problematic, I think. Niall, am I right in saying that the boar have been recorded in a number of other counties in Ireland, particularly in the Midlands? I'm thinking around Tipperary and that. So there may be a lot more of them present than we think about. Yes, they have been reported in other counties in Ireland, as you said, particularly in the Midlands, Tipperary, places like that. And the National Biodiversity Data Centre is maintaining records of this. You could report uh, sightings of any wildlife there. They are very clever, resilient animals. They're very adaptable. They're very good at surviving and slipping under the radar, particularly when there's a relatively low population. They can move around quite easily without being spotted or being spotted too frequently. Uh, they also tend not to come into contact with cars very much. They do seem wary of traffic, so that you don't see this road kill, kill as much as you might say see deer or creatures like that. Uh, so they could be spreading and it could also be um, a, a sort of a mixture between some wild boar genes and domestic pig genes. It could be, you know, 50% one, 50% the other. It's very hard to know because at a fleeting glimpse, it's very difficult sometimes to know if you're looking at a pure wild boar. Uh, obviously, the true wild boar, they tend to be a lot hairier than the traditional pink pigs that we would see. But there are other domestic breeds like Mangalitsa pigs from Hungary, which um, are also very hairy. Uh, so it's hard to know. But th- yeah, they, they, they do, could be spreading in Ireland underneath the radar. Niall, the wild boar in Ireland is considered now to be an invasive species and if you look at the National Data Centre's records, every time one has been recorded, the the information at the bottom says it has been captured, it has been taken out of the wild, it has been shot if necessary, whatever it was, so that they are in Ireland at this stage considered to be an invasive species, so if we see them, we should report them and stop them getting a, a foothold in the first instance, because, as you said, we'll end up with a situation like we have with the deer, huge amounts of population and nothing to predate them with. So it's not a good idea to be putting wild pigs into the forest and thinking you're doing the devil and all. You're not. It's a bad, bad news. That's absolutely right, Aina. I think that what we need to look at is the concept now of, of rewilding, restoring entire habitats and ecosystems. And, you know, it, it's folly to think that you can just replace one or two parts of that jigsaw puzzle, but leave out other aspects of it. So it would be great if Ireland had a, a thriving population of boar again and of, of deer and all of the, the great ecosystem services they provide. They're, the boar, for example, are amazing at, at creating forest clearings. They're amazing at, at helping to spread and disperse seeds and other things within a woodland environment. They're an important part of a healthy environment. However, that's in tandem with their predators because otherwise their numbers grow unchecked. And the, there is no denying that wild boar can be dangerous to humans, uh, certainly more dangerous than deer. And deer did this danger with deer as well. But boar are, are significantly more dangerous than that again. And without the predators to control their numbers, sadly, it's not the time really for them to be back in an, in an Irish context. It is interesting, of course, that this species that could be considered native is then also considered an invasive alien species as well. Uh, and that's a strange dichotomy that it, it might seem illogical or, or, or you know, contradictory, but it is, I suppose, a, a realistic reflection of the current situation. The, the, the habitat and the environment in which those boars used to live no longer exists. And until it does, it'd be very difficult for us to be compatible with those species, yeah, unfortunately. 